Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. And my sense is the Lord would be leading us in this month of uh, February to spend a little time revisiting a, a theme, a central part of our vision and values really as a church body, that of uh, walking by faith. It's been a heartbeat of this church body from our early years, about uh, six and a half, seven years ago. And I, I'd love for us to revisit around this passage. It's maybe uh, familiar for all of us and, and, and map it out onto several different areas of our spiritual life. Today, uh, thinking somewhat about prayer and specifically this idea of dependent prayer uh, in future weeks, looking at what it means to walk in the spirit, to uh, live missionally. And then what it means to walk in faith, as many of us here are raising young ones, and even if we don't have young ones here with us in the church body, are part of a church family that is invested significantly in young ones. What does it look like to walk in faith in those different areas? And uh, this idea of walking in faith, when you think about it, was... uh, uh, has been hardwired, I guess you'd say, into the life of our church. Hopefully, each church is uh, thinking that way as well. Uh, it certainly has been mapped into our lives from when uh, 12 households uh, prayerfully decided to pour their lives and hearts and energy into forming a new church body uh, some number of years ago. It was certainly on uh, the hearts and minds of those who came to our first kids camp years ago with about 20 kids there. And as we've seen God expand that to reach as many as uh, 200 plus in the last couple of years, uh, it was the mentality for sure as we've come out of our missions month. And I think we even mentioned that in the early days of our church body, when we were just figuring out how to even be a church that Folks on our missions committee and our leadership had the foresight to go ahead and even at that early stage say, let's go ahead and and give some of these resources that God's provided and direct folks to be supporting missionaries and not just this local church. That idea of living in faith and having faith in action has certainly been in place with us and in our different teaching settings in Sunday school and our, our uh, small groups, our life groups from the pulpit here as we have sought to proclaim God's word as it is, not what our culture might want it to be or what our hearts or minds might think it ought to say, but what it actually says, even when it sometimes flies directly against what we might like for it to say or our culture might like for us to say that's walking in faith it's certainly been the mentality whether it's been advertised or not of uh, spouses in our church body who have invited uh, their their mate their husband or wife to faith in christ and invited them to church in some cases over a period of years and then today those folks sit in our congregation knowing jesus and seeking to walk with Jesus, uh, we could talk about a zillion examples, probably, of how we've seen just in the short span of the life of this church and in this group of people, faith uh, in action, the opportunity to live out faith and really, in some senses, to walk on water. And so as we look at these verses today, I'll certainly have in mind some of the thoughts from one of my favorite books about this passage that some here might be familiar with and others. This would be a a new one, but I definitely 
highly recommend it. And we'll sort of circle back around to some of it as we go through this month because it's uh, ministered to me. It's John Ortberg's book. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. So turn with me again now to Matthew 14 and read silently as I read aloud uh, these uh, verses, verse 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Then Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those on the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Scriptures, the amazing things that we read about and are able to I'll take into our lives. And we ask that you'd help us to do that today as we look at these powerful verses. And specifically, Lord, as we apply them to this idea of a life of dependency upon you in prayer, uh, help us to grow in that regard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I uh, thought about this uh, message for this week, there's a couple of different ways to get at this idea of walking in faith. One would be, of course, to look at the various uh, biblical figures, and we'll touch on a few of those later on, who demonstrated at times remarkable faith, even if in places maybe at, at points their faith was actually really shallow or they turned away from the Lord. A number of folks in the scriptures are at points marked by uh, demonstrable faith, significant Trust in the Lord. Uh, another way to maybe uh, tackle it and think about this idea of walking in water as we as we look at it across this month, really, uh, would be to look at folks throughout Christian history, the life of the church and see people who made bold decisions because of their faith. And I think all of those things are good. And we'll probably touch on a couple of them as we go through the month. But here's the catch. And I maybe hit on a little bit of this uh, last week as well, so I guess it's, it's maybe just been on my mind. But sometimes a message about walking in faith, about living life, especially as we think about today, in a, in a posture, in a daily relationship with Jesus where we are 
dependent upon him in prayer. Well, that's not just kind of at the periphery, but where it marks who we are, defines who we are. That's our our lifeblood, our heartbeat is to be in dependence upon him in prayer. When we think about some of the heroes of the faith in the scriptures or that we've seen throughout Christian history, instead of drawing us into that, sometimes it can repel us, push us away. And here's how at least it plays out sometimes in my life. Maybe it relates to yours. We, we see how incredibly good they are at doing this, at walking on water, at living out you know, vibrant faith. And, and instead of being drawn into it, we say, I, I can't even get started. I don't even have anywhere near that skill in this area of my Christian life. And, and so we take a step back. Instead of a step forward, it's a little bit like uh, what I witnessed a couple of years ago at the Peters household when we were in the middle of summer taking in some of the Wimbledon tennis tournament. Maybe you all like to watch this, too. It's a pretty good one because Patience and I both like it. Patience likes the pageantry and the, the, you know, the English scenery and so forth, as well as the competitive tennis. And I like just the, you know, the athletic part of it. So we can kind of both watch. So we watched it for years together. And uh, this particular year, I recall, was the first time that we had really gotten the boys in there. And my four boys had begun to watch and they were old enough to kind of start to appreciate it. And it was that year, I think, that Andy Murray won on like a home turf, too. So it was interesting that way. But the response is that my wife Patience and I had to watching the Wimbledon tournament, as opposed to how my boys responded, made me think about how sometimes we respond to uh, bold stories of, of faith and sometimes detach rather than engage. You know, Patience and I watch the folks playing tennis and your Azarenka and your Williams and your Federer and Murray and you name it. And and we know we've tried to get out there on a tennis court before. And, you know, neither one of us is a master tennis player. And it just, you know, you can try it for a little bit of fun sometime, but you know you're not going to be great at it. You know, that's not what's going to happen for us. So we don't really feel inspired to play a whole lot of tennis. Well, the Peters boys had a little different response. They set up some sort of makeshift uh, cones that we had in the garage out across our alley. I don't know if you consider that. I guess that's a concrete court, right? Not quite the Wimbledon grass. And put some uh, landscaping plastic that they had those long strips of plastic and draped it over it to serve as an actual net. And they didn't even really have, we didn't have a tennis ball. We couldn't find one in the garage and had some old 80s tennis rackets, the strings, half of which the strings were broken, that we had left over in the garage. And they went out, and they just had fun doing what? Trying to play. Trying to play the best that they could. And it made me think about this whole passage today, and especially this idea of really trying to step forth uh, as we're still entering this new year and saying, what does it look like for us individually to walk in faith and dependent prayer? To really have our relationship with the Lord grow in prayer this year. And, and how we can connect with that. Peter, he's kind of like, to me, he's kind of like a big kid sometimes, isn't he? I mean, he's the only one that as Jesus is coming, the other ones are just in shock and awe that he's walking across water. In his mind, he says, why don't I go play too? 
I've never walked on water before. I've never seen anybody do it. I don't think I can do it. Jesus, why don't you ask me to come on out to you? Let's let's try. Let's let's play. Let's see what happens for us. So you might maybe encapsulate it this way. And there's some sermon notes section at the back of your worship guide. If you want to follow along that since Jesus upholds us, we should demonstrate faith, independent prayer. I probably should change that uh, preposition, I guess it is, because it, it might be a little bit confusing. We don't have our faith independent prayer. We should demonstrate faith through or by dependent prayer. In, in living dependent prayer would, would be the idea I had in mind. Uh, it's interesting when you think about a prayer and this idea of it being dependent and an expression of living out faith, where the scriptures speak about this. Luke chapter 18, you don't need to turn there, but... Uh, hopefully we realize, you know, there's different kinds of prayer. Uh, we can pray all kinds of prayer. People around the world pray all sorts of, of prayers. Some of those are dependent prayer, recognizing who Jesus is and the Lord's working through that. And other prayers aren't even religious folks sometimes. Uh, Luke chapter 18 uh, talks about this, uh, starting in verse 9. You may remember these verses, too, because they're a fairly familiar passage. Uh, Jesus told this parable to some who were who trusted in themselves. Interesting. Told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went into a temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. Watch the um, pronouns here. Watch the first person personal pronouns here. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. That's what we're talking about when we think about this idea of dependent prayer. Certainly there's more to prayer than just declaring our need for Christ and receiving it. But there's not less, is there? It's got to start that place for all of us. That's why we go through and, you know, other churches maybe don't have it mapped out explicitly like we do in our worship service, but probably do the same thing. But we have this call to confession thing and this silent prayer and this assurance of pardon, because that's just supposed to be something we're doing here each week and reminding ourselves that we ought to be doing uh, throughout every day and really each hour of every day. That's this idea of dependent prayer. Well, let's look at what our passage back in Matthew now shows us through Peter walking on water about dependent prayer. The first thing we see is that, you know, we we can call out to God for all the different things we're struggling with in our lives because we know that he upholds us. He sustains us. He's the one who gives us life, gives us hope, gives us energy. Look back at Matthew chapter 14. 
and take a look at just couple, a couple of the verses. It says, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. They're, they're out there in a desperate situation. And, and Jesus just walks on out there. He's not phased by what's driving them crazy or scaring them. It's a, it's a, a stroll for him. He's meandering along the top of this stormy water. He can handle it. He can handle what you've got in your life, what I've got in my life. Verse 27, we can come to him in dependent prayer uh, because he, he, he gives us his encouragement. Look at this. He says he spoke to him saying, take heart, it's I. Do not be afraid. Jesus speaks to us words that, that uphold us and encourage us. That's one of the reasons we typically think of kind of a prayer time, a devotional time being time in the scriptures. Maybe in the new year you've kind of said, hey, I want to try to take that on and have a little bit more time in the scriptures. Or maybe you've recommitted to your small group Bible study or life group or Sunday school or some other setting where you want to hear God's word. Well, we think about God's word and prayer being together because the scriptures inform. They, they give us one of the things they give us is those promises where Jesus says these rich and wonderful things that can uphold us. Verse 31. Take a look there. Here we see Jesus reaching out his hand and taking hold of Peter. So here he's actually physically upholding him. He's sustaining him in that way. And then verse 33. Those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. How does how, why can we look to him in dependent prayer and expect that he's going to uphold us regardless of what we're going through day to day or in our lives? Because he's the son of God. He's not just any other person. He's special in that way. What are some of the situations? Think about it for a minute that you and I need reminders that God will uphold us and that we can turn to him in dependent prayer. Maybe it's a job transition for you. Maybe it's that real sense of burden that you want to share your faith with a neighbor or a friend, but you just don't feel you uh, can do it. Maybe it's that uh, depression that I know from talking to folks in our congregation, the number are struggling with and you and you don't even feel like you can really get out of bed in the morning. You don't feel like you need to so much be upheld. You need to feel like you need to be lifted up just to get moving, let alone keep going. Maybe it's that financial debt that a series of decisions or circumstances you've gotten into and and it feels impossible to just take that next Step that, that next thing to keep working out of it. It feels overwhelming. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe for some here as parents or in marriage struggling significantly with relationships. And we just have this sense that um, we really need something else. We really need someone to uphold us. We know and see that we can't handle it. Uh, maybe it's the opportunities before us kind of collectively as a as a church, as a uh, We've been praying about continuing to grow as a church. And we've taken steps of faith like the purchase of this uh, land here and are praying that God would lead us to those uh, next steps. Maybe it's just caring for one another in our church body here as well, where we feel like I just I don't even know how to help this person in my small group. I love them. I care for them. We've grown into having some relationship, but I don't even really know how to begin to meet their needs. I want God for you to use me, but I, I don't know how to do it. Um, maybe it's just seeking to continue as a church body to have a unified perspective, a love for one another, a unified vision for what God is calling 
us to, for our church leader, uh, maybe it's something as straightforward as aiming to lovingly, biblically apply some of the church discipline that God calls us to graciously to those in our church that are struggling to respond to God in repentance and faith. Those are all places where, boy, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like uh, Peter walking on that water and looking around and all of a sudden seeing that storm and starting to sink in, right? You take off and you start taking the first step and it seems all great. And then you realize you need somebody to uphold us. A couple of thoughts uh, here, uh, specific application points. What are, what are some of the elements of this whole process? It might help us to take a look through that of living out our faith and then showing them, you know, demonstrable prayer, dependent prayer in it. The first thing we, we see here in these verses is that there's, uh, there's pretty much always this idea of some kind of call, some kind of directive from God. So some sense that we ought to be doing something for God's kingdom and being part of God's kingdom. And, and then what's interesting is usually when we take that step out, just like Peter, and we seek to respond to that call, which is a great thing. Right? Maybe it's just some area of sin in your life that you feel like you really want to try to address this year and have some more uh, victory over and some more progress with. Or maybe it's something just that you know a good thing the Lord wants you to do and you've just been negligent in it. He's keeps putting that burden on your heart and, and maybe you haven't done anything about it. But you take that first step. So you hear that call. You have that sense. You know, it's a biblical thing. You know, it's a good thing that whatever it is that you're addressing. And then what's the first thing that happens when you get out of the boat? What happens to Peter? Fear. Something comes in the way that makes us afraid. And it literally pushes us back onto our heels or in Peter's sense, pushes his heels down into the water. You know, I was uh, was at a funeral recently and I was thinking about how much we uh, how much I love uh, comfort and security, which I don't think I don't know. I'm not that old long in life, but I don't think in my younger years I really ever processed how much of an idol that would be for me. I guess maybe being a man, you want to pretend like you're real courageous and you're ready to handle you know, anything or whatever. Maybe that's a little bit of it. But I guess in recent years, I've thought more how much I love security and comfort. And this is going to be crazy. You guys are going to be scared at what goes on in the mind of your pastor here. I was at this funeral and I was looking at the coffin. And I don't know if you looked at a coffin, but, you know, there's some pretty nice coffins out there. They, I'm serious. They, they, I was looking at it and it's got what looks like a really comfortable pillow. It's got what looks like a comfortable interior. You know, I, I thought about it in contrast to the mattress we have in our house. I thought this looks more comfortable than the mattresses at our house. A, a coffin looks kind of comfortable until what? You realize how constraining it is. A coffin's pretty constraining. The same thing's true for us, and I would suggest that I'm probably not alone in that love of comfort and security. And, and, and I think maybe just a picture for us, I don't know, you can take it or leave it, is maybe what we're wanting when we want that comfort and security, as crazy as it sounds, is we want to be in a coffin. We want to be in some comfortable thing. We don't realize the limitations that that's putting on us when we stick ourselves in that Situation, Fear will do that to us. And you know what conquers and takes us through fear? We see it with Peter here. Prayer. 
Jesus, Lord, save me. Calling out to God in dependent prayer can take us past our fear. Uh, Take a look at verses uh, 27 and 32. See what happens next for Peter and what maybe the Lord would do for us in in, uh, our desire to walk in faith in dependent prayer. It says in verse 27, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. In verse 32, we see that the wind ceased. Jesus reassures us. He comes alongside us and gives us confidence. I like what uh, one writer said. He said, human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. Isn't that true? It's hard to really meet with God until you get out in some place that stretches you beyond what your limits are. And the fact is that what if we're fairly adept at something spiritually as a in a general way, I'll say this as a body of believers. It's the fact that we take what the Bible says is pretty doggone seriously. And we believe the doctrines and teachings that are in there and that we really need to lay hold of those things. And that is a huge part of faith. But there's this other part of faith that is when we uh, allow ourselves to be in a place or even seek a place that stretches us out of that comfort zone and brings us to a place of maybe some fear, maybe needing some reassurance of Jesus. But that human extremity is the frequent meeting place with God. Maybe the reason some of us feel like our relationship with God is growing a little stale, not really as vibrant, is that we're uh, resisting at every turn anything that would put us in a place of extremity. And so we're not really meeting with God. We're not really experiencing God in that way. Fourth thing we see is that there is uh, invariably a decision. A decision to take our lives and put that in God's hands. And we don't do that without prayer either, do we? To actually take the step. So there's the call. There's the fear that we encounter. There's the reassurance then in the midst of that fear. And then there's actually the decision. Let me give you one more picture for us today. And then we'll kind of land this plane. Um, it, probably like a number of you all here that... that uh, are married when when you got to that time of getting ready to get married you you had those gifts in the gift registry that you went and signed up for Uh, maybe everybody remembers that Uh, i remember that a large chunk of the gifts that we received were these pieces of china china plates cups and platters and smaller plates and a little bit bigger plate and a little bit bigger plate and a little bit bigger plate a number of plates and when we were first married, uh, my wife Patience and I lived in St. Louis. We lived in a small bedroom, one bedroom apartment. And, and I remember we didn't have a lot of storage space, but we had to make a spot for the, the China stuff. And it was really it was super nice that folks got us all that stuff. And we had those special plates and they were worth something more than probably most anything else that we we had. And I remember getting along to, you know, we lived there for five years and then we moved to another place. And then we moved, uh, I think we moved down to Alabama and so forth. And in and, and, and the plates and the cups and the dishes that were special and the folks had given us, we had never used. We had never gotten out. 
And I, to patience's credit, I kind of say, well, are we going to, what is the occasion that we're going to, when will we get to that occasion that will justify this? You know, the president shows up to the house. Then we will use the China. So we finally got over that hump and now we use those plates a pretty good bit. And I was like, we got these nice plates. Man, aren't we like that spiritually? God's blessed each one of us in particular ways with particular gifts and abilities and a heart and personality and all those ways that he's made us uh, up. And it's just a little bit like that China, isn't it? It's like we've got something that's really special that's been given to us. But because we're afraid, uh, because we haven't really learned to walk in dependent prayer and move past that, it's just all stacked up in some cupboard somewhere and not really being used by God the way it could be. The last thing I'll say is this, that when we make that decision to step out in faith, it's amazing how our lives are changed, especially if we get a taste for it. Ortberg says this just real briefly. He says there's a changed life. There's a changed life that's a part of this process. Those who say yes to God's call don't walk away perfect, not by a long shot. But because they say yes to God... They learn to grow even from their failures, and they become a part of his actions to redeem the world. Listen to this. Those who say no are changed, too. They become a little harder, a little more resistant to his calling, a little more likely to say no the next time. Whatever the decision, it always leads to a changed life, and it changes the world that little life touches. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we recognize if we are familiar with these verses and have thought about them before or just processing them today, that there's a call to faith in here. That's not just to believe certain things about you, but to actually live out those uh, truths in a way that uh, actually changes who we are. And I confess readily that I don't exhibit that kind of faith. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just break us of whatever's keeping us from taking that step, that you would show us that you are more than sufficient to meet us in our fear, to reassure us, to uphold us. And, Lord, that particularly in this area of prayer and Asking, Lord, for you to work and grow in deeply in that relationship with you that we would step out. We would approach you. We would move forward. And, Lord, that we'd see you on the move in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.